There's Lemieux. The center penalty coming up. Look at Lemieux. Oh, my heavens. What a goal. What a move. Lemieux. Oh, baby. There's a mistake and a throw. A puck by Bridget. Oh! A taser from Jonathan Taves is first. Oh, hello there, hockey fans. How you doing today? Welcome to another episode of Talking Hockey, the Hockey Talking Show. This is a big one. This is uh, season four, episode 12. We're calling it The Stall, as in Captain Canada, Eric Stahl. We've got a sweet, sweet guest on the show today, Joe Keithley of legendary Canadian punk rock band DOA. We'll be chatting with him a little later on in the episode, so stay tuned for that. You don't want to miss it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's co-host Tom here. Uh, I've got with me as per the usual uh, co-host Randy, and it looks like Randy's maybe just drawing up some plays, trying to get the boys organized to do some warmups here. What, uh, what do you got on the whiteboard, Randy? Uh, no, not for warmups. Uh, honestly, you know, I dusted off the old Xbox, uh, <laughs> this weekend and uh-huh. I've been running some pretty sick D to D plays and then finding the, the far side winger for like a one-timer. So I think I'm going to implement that play to, uh, our current, uh, on ice performance here. Uh, okay. it's, it's working well as I, uh, kind of, uh, recreate my own world junior hockey tournament here <laughs> on, <laughs> on Stradbrook Avenue. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's filling the void that, you know, we all missed out on over the holidays and I think, uh, it's putting me on, on the path to, f- potentially coach in the nhl so uh we'll see beautiful <laughs> beautiful it all starts with uh yeah one little whiteboard couple set plays on the xbox and then next thing you know uh the well if you spoke french maybe the montreal canadians would call you up to coach um or who knows uh what other teams out there need a coach uh lots of teams hard to say but yeah like i guess Eric Stahl's old team uh, that he played for last year, the Montreal Canadiens, they just hired Martin St. Louis, whose prior coaching experience was essentially peewee hockey, apparently. But yeah, uh, I think his now he's in the show. Team, so yeah. Doesn't hurt to have a Hall of Fame hockey career, I suppose. Uh, that probably. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 you might get, uh, what, what do they call it? Like lightning in a bottle. Like you might find yeah. a, some, like a, you know, a little potential you know, elite coach in the making through someone like that. Yeah. Also, you know, Wayne Gretzky didn't really turn out to being a great coach. So sometimes no, exactly. it doesn't always translate. No, it doesn't. And um, I guess, you know, Gorton and uh, Hughes, Montreal's kind of like bosses. They have history with old Marty St. Louis. And uh, anyway, we're not talking about Marty St. Louis. We're going to talk about Eric Stahl here. Uh, number 12, Eric Stahl. He wore number 12 for... Uh, several of his teams. He didn't uh, always wear number 12 because he wore number 21 for Montreal last year, but he wore 12 for the Carolina Hurricanes with whom he played for a good chunk of his career from 03 to uh, 2016. Won a Stanley Cup there with them. Uh, He wore number 12 when he went to New York in 2015-16, which, to be honest, I completely forgot about him playing in New York. He was only there 20 games. I think he was a trade deadline 
uh, acquisition for the Rangers. He wore number 12 with the Minnesota Wild. He spent three or four seasons with the Wild. And then he uh, wore number 12 with Buffalo, with whom he played before he got traded to Montreal because he uh, started the year in, in Buffalo, went to Montreal, was on their team for their playoff run there. And uh, so Stahl is a uh, – let's just run down his stats real quick like NHL stats. Um, 17 years in the NHL. 1,293 games, 441 goals, 593 assists for 1,034 points, uh, 828 penalty minutes over his career. And, uh, of course, right now is captaining Team Canada over in Beijing at the Olympics. And um, he's 37 years old, and he's wearing number 12 for, for Canada. And he's a member, Randy, of the Triple Gold Club which is remind me what that is again, <laughs> uh, world championship gold, Olympic gold and a Stanley cup. <clears throat> but he also yes. has a U 18 gold, the Ivan Halinka tour. So our tournament. So, uh, no world junior gold though. He, they finished sixth the year he was on the team. Uh, but yeah, there's only a few players that have Stanley cups, Olympic golds and world championship golds. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably, elite company like um some really good players that would have that uh stall of course has a couple brothers that play in the nhl as well so you know there's his brother mark who plays for the rangers and uh jordan who now plays for carolina carolina right i was like in my head uh, jordan was still a pittsburgh penguin but he hasn't been a penguin in years <laughs> no jordan uh jordan joined eric uh, and then Eric moved on. But uh, if I had to pick my favorite stall, I would have to say it's Jordan. No offense, Eric, but uh, <laughs> because Jordan was a penguin and he was part of that uh, uh, yeah. Stanley Cup, uh, I got to pick Jordan. That was but, the 2009 Cup, I believe, that he was uh, a yeah. penguin for. But if, then... Eric, if Eric Stahl wins uh, gold, then you're my favorite stall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Eric Stahl, he's that classic big-bodied center you know, uh, he's six, four, you know, 200 pounds and just sort of dominates the middle of the ice. I think he's probably lost a step these days, um, as do most players once they hit a certain age, but he's still like a really smart player. And, uh, he's always been very like creative offensively. Like he's kind of got really good hands and, has just been able to always kind of get on the score sheet, you know, like his last couple of years in the NHL here, maybe not so much, but he's offered kind of other perks for teams. Like when he was with Montreal last year, you know, he was taking important face-offs and playing a, a bit of a defensive role in a way, um, even though he's never really been known as a sort of defensive minded player, but like, you know, I guess, when you get on in your career and you're not producing the numbers like you used to, you, you, you do different things to stay relevant. And, um, but he's his, his high, his season high goal total. I think I could be wrong here, but I think it was 42 and I am wrong. Sorry. The season high goal total was 45. Yeah. That was in his very second year in the NHL with Carolina. He cracked a hundred points that year, hundred points, even, which is his highest point total in a season, but 
just a couple seasons ago with Minnesota, he had 42. And that yeah, was he was impressive. laying it up. Yeah, that was pretty impressive. He was laying um, it up with the wild there. Yeah. 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 So we've got the Olympics happening over there and stalls the captain. What's like in your eyes, Randy, how's things looking for Team Canada? I would say Canada is better than I thought they were going to be. I had no idea. Like, and obviously when you're when your sights are set on having all the NHL players there and, and Crosby and McDavid and McKinnon on a line together. Uh, and now uh, we, you know, we've got this, this new roster of, of pros and stuff. Um, yeah. Like I, I wouldn't say Eric Stahl is like blowing away the competition, but it looks like it's been a, a pretty solid, uh, pretty solid team effort so far. And today, today they, uh, they won five nothing against China, and they get to play China again in in the I guess the whatever they call it the preliminary playoff round or something. But uh, but no, it's uh, you know they got a shot. Uh, it's anyone's tournament, I think, right now. Yeah, I think it should be good uh, seeing them. I think I'm gonna just assume they're gonna move past China and play Sweden in the next round of the playoffs, and that'll that'll be kind of when it gets interesting. So definitely gonna. Uh, tune in for that um randy i think we probably should get on we've got joe waiting in the wings here we want to we want to move on to our uh, little chit chat with him so here's our chat with joe all right we're here with joe keithley thanks for joining us joe how are you doing today i'm doing good yeah no, thanks for having me on right on yeah so uh let's just start it off we're curious what what is Joe Keithley, you know, legendary punk rocker, politician, activist? What's his relationship to hockey? How did it all kind of like, how did you, how, what's you and hockey all about? <laughs> well, back in uh, 85, 86, um, uh, I thought, I saw uh, a picture of a BTO, who I'm a fan of. I met Randy, I met Brad uh, and the other guys. And uh, <clears throat> they were wearing football jerseys, right? One of them was a Bombers jersey. I can't remember what the other one was. And uh, and I thought, oh, I mean, they kind of wear football jerseys because they're getting a little bigger, right? So fair yeah. enough, right? <laughs> I, I get. Um, and I thought, you know what? Hockey and punk rock go together. These guys are doing rock and roll and football. Okay. So then I came up with the concept, like, you know, uh, punk rock type thing. And then uh, so we launched um, – uh, a team, DOA team, as it's called the DOA Murder Squad. Um, <laughs> originally was named, um, I somehow the first came in was Lucy Tags as uh, Bob's Barnyard Animals, I guess is animal like behavior of the team, right? So, anyways, we came DOA Murder Squad. And that's when we decided we did a version of Taking Care of Business and we did a video and we got Randy in as the coach uh, from BTO, <laughs> right? So, that to me, that was it. To, that wasn't the origin of Hockey Rock because we all know that uh, I believe Marcel Dion and Pilas Pizzito did singles back in the 70s. Um, yeah, not particularly great singles, but... It was a disco to, even maybe or something? Yeah, I, I've only looked at the covers. I've never actually listened to them. Just yeah. <laughs> I never wanted to sacrifice the dough to buy one, right? So, but I was quite <laughs> curious. I was like, oh yeah. You know, Pilas Pizzito was one of my favorite players when I was a kid, right? So I thought that was pretty cool. So... So that's how I got started in it. And then we uh, kept doing, playing the, the murder squad, kept playing games. And originally we 
said we will only play our philosophical opponents, right? And that was mainly there was one radio station in Vancouver that would never play GOA called Seatbox. And we always played them. We always beat the crap out of them. So it's like, uh, and they had one time they had Bruce Allen uh, managed uh, Brian Adams, PTO, the, the big, big music guy. And uh, he was their coach. And that sure didn't help. And I ridiculed him in the, in the foyer after the game. Nice coaching job, Bruce. Right? So, anyways, it goes, I could go on for hours, but stop me and go take this where you want. Right. So. <laughs> So I'm I'm looking at the back cover here of Kings of Punk Hockey and Beer, and there's a team photo uh, on the back yeah. of the on the back cover there. Um, I'm just curious, uh, could you tell us about that team? Is that the team you're talking about? And uh, yeah, yeah, that was the, so. The rule was that uh, you had to be involved in the music business, either as a player, uh, I mean, as a, you know, in a band, or as a manager or a roadie. So uh, I don't have that photo in front of me, uh, but I know that uh, Wimpy's in there. Uh, rest his soul and uh, I think Dave Gregg's in there rest his soul as well myself and uh, there's the guy the coaches were the guys who managed 5440 and um, uh, Jay Scott who was our roadmap you know so it was all Vancouver music guys so that was a rule and uh, yeah yeah so uh, based on some of the tunes that you guys have written and that you've sang, uh, you know, that are hockey related, beat them, bust them, uh, Donnie Brook, you know, maybe <laughs> some of what you've already told us here. I'm guessing like you play a pretty uh, old time hockey style of, of, of hockey, like a little, little physical. Uh, was that your kind of game or? Well, you know, being a, a tall guy, uh, when I played for Burnley Minor for like six, seven years, you know, time I was about, uh, 11 to about 18 or something like that. And uh, I think I led Burnaby Minor in, um, at, at least in high sticking penalties every year. <laughs> I, I never led the fight category, but I came close a couple of years, right? So um, that wasn't my style. It's just sort of like I would just drive some guy into the boards they, and I'd go like, why the hell do you want to fight? Okay, might as well. <laughs> that type of thing. I was never one of those guys out there looking to, you know, yeah. uh, Act like, act like the tough guy, but I did take a lot of penalties, and uh, I always played defense, like right defense, you know, right-handed shot, and uh, that usually, uh, usually my coach that I had one really fantastic player, my best friend Bill, uh, played defense with, and usually the coach, I get back to the bench, and he go, Joe, the next time you want to bring the puck out of your zone, just give the puck to Bill. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I go, oh, okay. Okay, I'll work on that. <laughs> <laughs> good coach, good tip, coach. Good, good, good coaching. Yeah. Good coaching. <laughs> do you have a number? Do you like uh, like you have a number you used your whole hockey career? Yeah, because I, I said I grew up as a Bruins fan uh, before, like Vancouver, I really had a team, right? And uh, now I'm a Canucks fan, obviously, and I like some other teams, uh, but I never had the skill uh, of Bobby Orr, obviously, as I just said. But I was more like Ted Green, who was like sort of the wrecking crew on the, the, the famous Bruins squad. So I always wore number six. Yeah, same thing uh, when I played lacrosse. I played a lot of lacrosse, like even more than hockey, right? So always the number six. You know, you got a record label called Sudden Death Records, and yep. you, you guys have that uh, uh, several songs that are very hockey related. You've shot some hockey related videos and stuff. Where, what's the like, the, the connection or the cross between sort of art and hockey for you like how does that 
how how does it sort of come together? And I guess, you know, you kind of mentioned with the idea of you saw BTO in the football jerseys, but is that kind yeah. of where it started? Or was it? Well, I mean, then we, then we got up there. We were like a, a DOA's three-piece now, but we were four-piece at the time. And uh, so basically, I was in the middle, like, I mean, the singer. Uh, so I was the center, you know, and uh, <laughs> Wimpy was the right winger. Dave was the left wing, and the drummer was the goalie. I don't know where the hell the defensemen were. They're probably out the bar or something like that, right? But, uh, <laughs> so we looked at and we said, okay, we're like a team, a hockey team. And uh, so, you know what? It's us versus the crowd. You know what? And we're going to assault these guys. We're going to take them on, pin them to the back wall with like extra loud, obnoxious punk rock and win the game. And so we kind of took that philosophy and it kind of developed too into um, uh one of the driving points behind it was um, uh, in the early 80s, uh, they said, oh, you know, it's like all these bands have a really distinct look, right? You know, or when you think of Texas, you think of ZZ Top. When you think of London, you think of the Sex Pistols. When you think of New York, you think of the Ramones, right? You know, uh, so we got to make something that's really uniquely Canada. So we start wearing these uh, kind of similar to the jacket that you're wearing there, Randy, but uh, like a lumberman's jacket used to oh, work yeah. Like construction type thing except we cut all the sleeves off and uh so that became part of this um, uh identity of canada and the people some people in seattle go like oh well that's actually where the grunge look came from because in the early when those, those that crew was very young they saw these doa shows where i was wearing mac jackets so then later on we expanded that into hockey and then bring a you know hockey sticks on stage then started making doa hockey jerseys like, you know, so, you know, we wanted to know it's okay. Yeah, these guys are punk rockers, but they're from Canada. And let's make no mistake about it. Right? It's part of, I think it's part of the, the identity that uh, that and a few other things that, you know, made DOA really successful and like known around the world. You're like, wow, these guys are maniacs and they like hockey. Like, you know, it, you know so it didn't quite work for other people. Like in, in those states, in the United States, yeah, people in Boston, in New York, and Chicago knew hockey, Detroit. You know, the poor uh, original towns. But if you got done with California, we'd be like, what? What the <laughs> hell is that? Don't you guys play baseball? You guys should play baseball or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> is there any sort of friendly rivalry with you and like No Means No, like Hanson Brothers Band? Like those guys are big hockey guys? Yeah, well, that's, I think that's a really interesting thing because, like I said, the sudden death that you mentioned, the sudden death records, my label. Um, that was really taking because DOA or sudden death that like an Edmund O'Brien film is called DOA and they put the toe tag on the uh, thing at the end of the movie. But uh, John Wright, who was a good buddy of ours, we produced a couple of records and we took those guys on tour. They're 86 and 87. We took them all around North America with us. Right. And uh, um, so when they started doing the Hanson brothers, then of course they amalgamated this thing. And one of the, I think one of the albums is called sudden death. Right. Or at least one of the songs, and uh, the one the, the album that's got Tiger Williams on it. And uh, uh, anyways, so I can't remember quite remember all their albums. So John Wright is a great guy, uh, and Rob and Rob is really good too. But I tell you, those guys didn't know all about playing hockey, right? <laughs> <laughs> we were warming up at a show in San Francisco, so we always brought sticks with us, right? And uh, and orange got orange balls or whatever. And so, well, we were like way early. So let's let's have a ball hockey game in this big auditorium. We're playing San Francisco, and uh, 
it was over pretty quick, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> although John Wright does claim when he was a peewee, he was a, an Air Force brat. Those guys were Air Force brats, right? Okay. Um, so he said he's, he won the winning goal at the peewee tournament in Cold Lake, Alberta. You, you need go. to find yeah. somebody there to corroborate that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I've never, I, I went to him like, uh huh, sure you did. They hit him in the shin pad, went in. So who out there would be like a, like a more formidable opponent for you hockey wise uh, and that are bands too? Uh, they got Belky brothers were good players. Uh, played them a bunch of time from SIFU. Um, Ty never, you know, rest his soul. He never played, of course, it was not the athletic type. Um, and uh, so they, we played a bunch of games against them. And as I say, one time uh, the bad religion guys kept going like, wow, you know, these, DOA guys, they claim they're the best hockey, uh, best band around that knows how to play hockey. Bad religion's going to call them, right? And they, <laughs> like, they don't stand a chance. So, you know, those guys were popular. They had money, so they actually rented out the, the Coliseum, which is not that difficult, where the Canucks used to play in the early days. So you're talking like a 15,000 seat arena and uh, nobody in the stands, of course. So this is the game I was mentioning that earlier that, that they got didn't have enough guys, so Bad Religion and uh, SNFU teamed up, and we got our usual DOA murder squad. And it's like, you know, it was like halfway through, it was like 7 nothing for us. And I think they got a goal or two. They ended up being like 12-1 or 12-2. But I, say, I always say the one thing I really remember about that game was I, I always play defense, so I never really got like a lot of breakaways, shall we say. If you do, you're playing out of position. And that's, that's <laughs> really, you know, what the hell are you doing up there? <laughs> and, uh, you know, and uh, you're maybe playing like Quinn Hughes or something like that. I don't know. Right. So it, it always, always up on the ice. So anyways, I got the puck came to me and I just, uh, my eyes were like saucers. I had clear cut breakaway to the net and they didn't really have a great goalie. And I got, I got to go, I'm going to bury this one so I can bug these guys later. And, uh, Next thing I know, I'm flat on my face. And I go like, and I turn around. It was Greg Hetson, who's a good buddy of mine. He tripped me, and I could see him popping. <laughs> he was going the puck, puck and him are going back the other way. <laughs> so, what do you do? That, you know, they always say in hockey, take a number. I took a number, <laughs> right? And I just waited a couple minutes, and finally the puck went in the corner. He got it, and I just lowered the boom on him. You know, he's not a very big guy, right? So. So he kind of crumpled into a heap. He got up the ice, and then later on that night at the Commodore Ballroom in Vancouver, Bad Religion Slam, I could see Gray was like limping. <laughs> <laughs> so I got my vengeance out of that guy. So other teams, like we never, I, this, the Slop Shot guys must have had a team, but you know, being on the opposite coast, we never played them. And I mean, there's an influential like uh, hockey hardcore band, obviously, right? So using that, that theme. Um, but didn't play too many of the other teams. Like I said, we mostly played like radio stations and TV station, you know, they'd have, you know, and it was really fun. It was really a fun thing because we always made it like uh, a fundraiser for the Vancouver Food Bank. So and then sometimes we'd get like two, 300 people in the stands and they'd be beating drums and oh, nice. uh, yeah. And uh, Chris, <laughs> um, he used to uh, play in the Forgotten Rebels. I, I think it was Los Angeles, the bass player in the original outfit back in 80 81 or whatever uh he you know he bought out an organ so he was like uh <laughs> playing in Oregon and then we had the whole thing going through PA and uh and people were beating drums and stuff then and uh, you know it would all be on DOA fans 
Yeah. And then finally, the, the ultimate game, and it got for, it got delayed. Uh, we never did play it. Um, but Ken Jensen, a uh, great drummer of ours, um, 93, passed away in a house fire, right? Um, and that kind of put the kibosh on the team. Ken was on the team, good player. And because uh, we were supposed to play the Vancouver Police Department, right? Which would have been um, a thousand people there. And the police would have been there too with, with cameras to be like, okay, these are the guys we've been looking for. We got warrants. <laughs> <laughs> the chance to do. They'll be out the game. <laughs> so, so we, sadly, with the Ken Passion, we never did play it. But that, I think that would have been the ultimate challenge. And you know what? It probably would have been the hardest because a lot of guys who played at junior B, junior A hockey didn't make it, become firefighters, become cops, right? Yeah. That we, yeah. we might have got an ass kicking. <laughs> so, so whatever we'll never know right now yeah uh, could have taken a few numbers but yeah oh yeah <laughs> well the only thing is that if you if you if you smash on them then later on you just get pulled around side the yeah. park <laughs> yeah. exactly win. right now like that sounds pretty awesome those those games you know and and a lot of fun and 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 i think something that randy and i have discovered as adults like we both played when we were kids you know, and then kind of took a little time away from the game and came back to it later. Yep. Um, and we've kind of discovered a, a community of like-minded folks who are also into hockey now. But like back back then, I don't know, like, did you ever find there was kind of the division between like the jocks and the, you know, the rockers or whatever? Like, did was that ever uh, a, an issue yeah. for you guys or anything? Me and Wimpy uh, uh, played every sport. I mean, I played lacrosse, played played baseball, played uh, hockey, I mean, to various degrees, right? And he mm -hmm. played everything, too, right? And that's uh, um, before we got into music, we just, man, we just played uh, uh, ball hockey continuously in his old old street and in his yard, right? That, But in school, definitely when um, got into punk rock after we got out of high school, so there wasn't that quite the, that division there. Yeah. But definitely, like, a lot of jocks still. Not just jocks, but like a lot of a lot of squares, like rockers didn't like punk rockers, right? The one funny thing we did notice though, be um, the first time we played the DOA team played Seapox, and it was a rock and roll station. Like I said, philosophical enemy, DOA was one of the most popular bands in Vancouver, but they never played DOA because they hated punk rock. So we got out there, and uh, me and Alan Moy, one of the guys I mentioned, nice Street Port Forty, we looked at him and we're like, "Wow, that's weird." And then we looked at the DOA team. DOA team, nobody had a mustache, right? Uh, and we looked at the Seawalk team, everybody had a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> and, sorry, Randy, I'm not commenting or anything like that. <laughs> you guys, right? That, that styles have changed, right? So, and we just went, okay, that's kind of a philosophical difference, or at least a physical appearance difference, right? But I would say, you know, if you go to like a stadium now, I mean, yeah, you'll you'll hear the Ramones, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. a, a big thing, like uh, whatever. There's a few select songs, and you'll hear you'll hear punk rock songs, right? But back in the '80s, and um, I would say most of the '90s, you would never hear anything except you know John Cougar Mellencamp, and uh, you know. Yeah. So there kind of was a conflict, but we didn't experience that 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 much. Tell, tell us a bit about like being a hockey fan. Are you like, did you watch a lot of hockey growing up and you're watching hockey right now at all? Yeah. Well, the funny thing was I didn't get into hockey because uh, my father hated it. Right. And he went, 
And my father was a, a little bit bizarre, uh, but he didn't like Eastern Canada because he thought Eastern Canada runs a country. This is not fair to British Columbia, blah, 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 that kind of Westerner type tilt. Uh, so I said, oh, I'd like to watch hockey. He says, oh, that's the Eastern sport. We're not going to watch that crap, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> but all my friends are watching hockey. That's too bad. And I'm going to put on like in some other station, right? So I, I was up playing lacrosse uh, in a park, and I found a, I found, I found a broken hockey stick. And I went, oh, oh, hockey stick. And I taped it together. Of course, I soon realized there, there's a reason why you leave a broken hockey stick and don't try and tape <laughs> it together. It doesn't really it breaks the game right away but that's how I got started in hockey then I started like um really early on and I just talked to Dave Bedini about this um because he's uh, working on a film about the 72 summit series yeah I saw yeah. that he announced that yeah yeah so so uh we've been talking a bunch of the last couple of weeks and hopefully we'll get the time and uh uh, it'd be my recollection. One of the, one of the things, yeah, I've been talking to many people, obviously, right, um, was the recollection of listening to that series in high school. Like, uh, I'd probably grade nine or 10. I was wondering, yeah, somewhere I'm at, like, uh, probably grade 10. The school stop. The teachers would they put the game on the, the public announce system. I've never hmm. seen anything like that in um, since that time where entire country stopped right and uh another little snippet of that was that um there's a film out here that's really hard to find it's called airport in and the closing scene of the movie that these guys in the bar and on the tv is phil esposito doing uh the rant just before they leave vancouver to go to russia you know and then eventually you know and swept the series over there but on the it's not phil esposito it's me playing phil esposito my hair is dyed black <laughs> and i've memorized it right you know He's, the speech. Like, you know, we're we're not trying to lose. We're all there giving it all. That's you know, we're we're doing our best, right? So, and um, I, I had forgotten about that. And I did. I really got to find a copy of because it's pretty hilarious, right? So, That's amazing. Yeah, had the Espo uh, uh, look down, right? So, I could see you as yeah. Phil Esposito for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're a big tall guy just sitting in front of the net, hope hope you that Bobby Orr aims a puck at you and goes in the net. <laughs> 60 goals later, you're doing pretty good, right? <laughs> Grant Lawrence actually tells a good story at the at the beginning of his book about being on the same plane with Team Canada as they were traveling across the country. And he was a oh, one-year wow. a one-year-old baby. And I guess Bobby Orr was holding him uh while his parents were like chatting up the rest of the team. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that that's amazing. Um I think like, Bobby Orr was my hero. I, I've since I still would think he's one of the greatest. I got pretty pissed off when he ran an ad for Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, buddy, it just, just shows the, the division between rich people and poor people. You got the money to buy, you know. And it was like the average people that supported him all his career. You know, and, and you can never take away the fact that he's one of the three or four greatest players of all time, right? So they were top five anyways, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, so anyways, um, yeah, that's a, that's crazy right so a friend of mine his name's uh patrick hutchinson used to mix doa and work with david Grohl and uh um a few other notable bands on southern california but he was a kid and there's a signing when he's a kid and it was tim horton at opening one of the donut things he's got a picture of him and tim horton that afternoon tim horton wrecked his car and died so he says he's got the last picture I'm Tim Horton alive, you know, so oh, wow. yeah, so 
Yeah. Anyways, too bad about Tim Horton. His legacy yeah. is terrible copy. Not <laughs> Somehow, which has become synonymous <laughs> with like Canada and just, yeah, it is everywhere, I suppose. Um, so, Joe, if there was like a, a Mount Rushmore of hockey for you, you know, like the four pillars, the four greatest all time players, yeah. who, who's on it for you? We, got, we know Bobby Orr's up there. Yeah, Bobby Orr's there. Uh, Wayne Gretzky obviously was the, uh, the greatest. Um, I still can't forgive Mark Crawford. Uh, at the Nagano Olympics, uh, the game's on the line. Yeah. You put this to the puck on the stick of the best player ever. It's like being in fourth quarter down the game and uh, you pull Tom Brady and put the rookie in. Yeah. Like, like, what's the thinking there, right? The worst coaching decision of all time, right? Yeah. And, uh, but uh, yeah, Bobby Orr, uh, Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux. Because I think Mario Lemieux, um, he's up there in the record books, right? But the unbelievable, like how that guy could control the play, control the puck. Um, and he would have probably been the same category point wise with Gretzky, but you know, he got injured and got Hodgkins and stuff like that. And my favorite play that he made uh, all time was uh, the Olympics he played in. Oh, it's like, well, three Olympics ago, Canada won the gold medal. And uh, they thought the puck was there for the winning goal against the Russians. They thought the puck was coming over to the Mutants too. And right, they really played the Swedes. And the Swedish coach said, coach said no, I'm early Mutants. He skates like an old tractor, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of throwing down the gauntlet, right? So it mm-hmm. came kind of three on one. They thought the Mutants was going to shoot. The Mutants just lifts off his right skate, lets the puck go through to a guy more wide open than him. The guy puts the puck in the open net. I mean, just like he just had that kind of thought process. Yeah. I saw him once he played against the Canucks and, you know, scoring goals against Canucks is usually not very difficult. Right. So (laughs) (laughs) when people were looking for the win, they looked on schedule, like, when do we play Vancouver? (laughs) We'll get back on track there. Right. Um, And uh, so I saw this game, uh, Yager played, the Mew played and, uh, uh, Bury was injured, but there was never a hot shot Russian that the Canucks had. And uh, I've never McGilney, seen McGillney. That's it. Yeah, McGillney. Yeah, all three of them in this game, and all three of them scored. But the Muse goal was he went down the left hand side, and uh, two with two Vancouver defensemen all over trying to take a puck away. He held him off one arm, I guess, shortened his grip, and put the puck over the goalie's shoulder with one hand. Mm. And I was going like. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. I think I've made the case for Mario Lemieux, right? So, uh, <laughs> fourth, I mean, I, well, he hasn't done much yet title wise, but it's sure looking like Connor McDavid would be up there, you know, just get into some modern players, right? You no. Know? Mm-hmm. And I think, too, somebody asked me about this the other day, like uh, the skill that the young players have now with like tipping the puck and the balance and, uh, you know, some, they'd probably give the old guys a real run for their money. Right. You know, yeah. um, but it's a different game and th- things change as, uh, you know, the science of the game progresses. Right. So I probably those four, you know, yeah. that's why I was really disappointed that Canada, I'm glad they're not playing the Olympics because I think the, the Chinese, uh, Chinese, the Republic of China government are a bunch of fascists. Right. So, um, and the, but that's not the reason why they're not going. Right. Um, but it, to me, I've always been a really big fan of Sid Crosby. So maybe yeah. he like the fifth one up there, right? Um, but I wanted to see one team where they had Connor McDavid 
Nathan McKinnon and Sidney Crosby on one line. Yeah. Boy, that'd be awesome. like, be all you need. Like, it seems I'm, like it's I'm, like, all right, just yeah. put that line out. And yeah, <laughs> I think you, you need eight guys hacking at him, right? There. Yeah. Like your old coach used to say, give the puck to Billy or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> are you yeah. watching uh, canucks games this season are you following the team yeah yeah no i'm uh, abbott i'm a big time uh big time pool guy i've been in the same pool for like oh my god i don't want to say it, like 30 years so <laughs> when we started the pool we we're all very young now we're all not so young but that one, right <laughs> and uh um yeah, and the Canucks have been really good. The first part of the season was um, a complete disaster. And then they uh, hired Bruce Boudreau and uh, started winning. I mean, no, they're not going to make the playoffs this year, right? But uh, um, there's a real test. Thatcher Demko's great. It looks so yeah. solid. And uh, um, they, they've got a half dozen good players. You know, and we have the remnants of all the horrible decisions, uh, salary cap-wise, that Jim Benning, you know, you know, there was a, this summer, past summer, there was a, a radio station did a fundraiser and they got money and they had one of those planes, you know, when you tow a sign behind it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the lettering so everybody in the city can see it. You know, in Vancouver, it's a pretty big area, but they raised enough money. And uh, so they had a plane fly around like for half a day behind the, the banner said, Fire Benning. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they got their, they got their wish. Went by, right? yeah. <laughs> like, if I was Jim Benny, I'd be in my office. I turn the blinds down. Like, yeah. <laughs> I hope nobody saw me come in here this morning. <laughs> yeah. They got their wish, I guess, in the end. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's Thatcher Demko. He's definitely a goalie you can sort of build around for sure. He looks good. Well, and... you guys got a great one out there, Connor Hellebuck. I mean, um, I'm sure you guys, uh, Jets are going through a disappointing season so far. But I mean, there's still a lot of talent on that team. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's been so. definitely a, 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 a hot topic around here for sure is, you know, what's up with the Jets. And, uh, yeah. you know, sometimes we get into that on the show here. And <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, it, we're, we're, uh, we're getting tight on time. So, okay. one, one thing we always love to do is get a, a song request from our guest. And I mean, you know, you've, you, it could be hockey related or not. It could be your band or another band, whatever. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, any, any song requests you'd like this, like us to play? Well, I mean, uh, the one I really like you mentioned earlier was Donnybrook, DOA Sun yeah. North Avenger. And I think, I just think the story is hilarious, right? So it's kind of like, uh, uh, that's like, kind of like the, it's uh, synonymous with uh, DOA too, not just, uh, as a the murder squad, but as a band, you know, uh, you know, we go into a town. There's always a lot of hostilities, and basically, we gotta fight our way out of there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so we kind of go to half the DOA shows turn into a giant Donny Brook, anyways. Right? You know? <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll spin Donny Brook here for you, and uh, yeah, we thank you so much for coming on the show, Joe. It's uh, great yeah. to have you. Well, yeah, no, really nice meeting you guys. Uh, any old time, you're in a year from now, if you want to do it again, call me. There's lots of fun.
That was Donnybrook by DOA, a banger of a tune. Um, Randy and I had the pleasure of going for a skate recently at uh, Wildwood Community Club, beautiful neighborhood in Fort Gary, uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba. And we did a little outdoor rink report. Check this out. All right, here we are for an outdoor rink review, Randy. It's a beautiful day in Wildwood, and we're here at Wildwood Community Club. What do you like about this place? Well, honestly, this is, it might take top spot for um, favorite outdoor rink in Winnipeg for me. A uh, couple of reasons. It's tucked here up against the Red River. Yeah. I guess this is technically Wildwood. I guess that's why they call it Wildwood. <laughs> um, there's two rinks here. And like I was saying to Tommy, uh, you know, they care about the quality of the ice when they're doing the edges. And Yeah, we had to, we had to wait to record this because uh, the rink caretaker there he had to bring the tractor out and scrape the edges and you know uh, get them all get them all prettied up there look right against the boards look at that 
Um, I'll tell you one thing we got on the ice over here is a little blood splatter, Randy. What do you suppose happened there? Hard to say. Maybe last night's shinny game got a little heated. Yeah. The puck started getting, you know, flung around pretty, you know, with some gusto. Yeah, that looks like maybe a split open lip or something. Yeah. There's a good pile of blood there. And some... A couple other drops here throughout. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I saw some blood over here by the uh, by the net here, yeah. uh, right here. So he must have came and scored here <laughs> a little bit later. Yeah, we're like forensic uh, scientists yeah. here. Uh, yeah. yeah, he definitely took it to the net. Oh, yeah, put, right there. Put one yeah. in and then went and got stitched up afterwards. The, the, blood, the bleeding kind of... Well, you know, stopped for a while enough for him to score a couple goals here, it looks like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I really like this rink. It's, like, such a great setting is one of the things that makes it so awesome. And then, yeah, the ice is, like, really well cared for. I mean, you might be able to hear listeners in the background, our rink caretaker guy, he's out. Not only did he bring the tractor out, now he's out with the shovel, you know. Uh, doing, doing round two on the edges. Yeah, yeah, so you got to like that. Um yeah, overall, I'm giving uh, Wildwood Community Club rink, I'm giving it a 8.5 out of 10. Uh, yeah, we got to start pretty high because this is one of the best. And, you know, yeah. there's going to be a few that are below and there's going to be a few, I think, that are in the same ballpark. Maybe I'll give this like a grade. I'm going to call this an A. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The only points I'm taking off is because, say, for example, uh, no bench to tie your skates at. But True. That could yeah. be that could be one of those COVID-related yeah. excuses that uh, – and also, uh, say, like, Borkvale, for example, has those, like, pro boards, you know, like – Yes. And this is just like a – I mean, they're great boards, but they're, they're like planks of wood. So. These, these are still, yeah, like they, they could get, yeah, if we are going to give them some cr- constructive criticism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, do some fundraising. Maybe yeah. new boards are in the future. Uh, not that these ones are bad. No, but. They're, and like for wood ones, they're in really good shape, yeah. actually. Like they even got a pretty fresh coat of paint on there. Yeah, no big, no big gouges, just no. a lot of pock marks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and with there's a ton of snow this year, so there's some big snow banks for sure. up along the road, which kind of gives you the little closed-in feeling, a little yeah. uh, tucked away. Yeah, and if you put a uh, puck over the uh, back fence there, yeah, it's, it's gone later. until yeah. it's gone until April. Just for assume sure. it's lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, A. a I'm going to give Wildwood Community Center an A, and only we're on the B rink. The A rink is over there. Oh, okay. So. Uh, yeah, A, A. I'm going to give it A an for A. for B. Uh, because, uh, yeah, maybe the A-plus will go to the A-rink uh, when we visit there uh, in the future. Yeah. All right, well, that was uh, Talking Hockey, the Hockey Talking Show's outdoor rink review here at Wildwood Community Club. Randy, that was a lot of fun. We've had intentions to probably do more of those, but, you know, uh, it is what it is. It's another blustery day here in Winnipeg as we record this. So, uh we'll just assume that all the outdoor rinks are covered in um, too much snow to actually go skating right now. That's what we'll, that's, that's what we'll run with. But uh, um, Randy, the Winnipeg Jets, your local hometown team here, they're at a pretty important little stretch of the schedule coming out of the all-star break. You and I uh, have kind of said, you know, this, this five, six game block right out out of the all-star game. It's good. It's very important. And they need, to string together a a winning streak. Um, And so far coming out of it, they are 2-0-1, lost in overtime to Dallas on the weekend, and they beat Nashville on the weekend, previously beating uh, Minnesota before that. They've got a few more games against Central Division opponents coming right up. 
what's what's your take on this next block of games here like are they are they a team that you think can get back into the playoff picture or is is it this season what are we what are we looking at here randy if i'm putting money on it they're not making the playoffs uh that's me betting with my head you know (laughs) you know there's the bets you make with your heart the bets you make with your head um, the one that I want to make with my heart is that I truly believe that they'll put a winning streak together and, and they'll, um, you know, they'll s- sneak in. Um, but just looking at the standings, uh, they're 12 points behind Nashville for third place in the central and they're, uh, seven points out of the second wild card uh, position with one, two, three, like with three teams, uh, above them and then San Jose is like tied with them. So there's a lot of teams all in the mix for just for those two wild card spots. Um and I feel like the only way the Jets are gonna like um get a serious shot at the playoffs is if they if they are flirting with that third position in, in the central. And that's like the with the way Colorado, Minnesota, Nashville and St. Louis are playing and Dallas is ahead of them too, um I don't realistically see them doing it like and also you just haven't seen the consistency from them all year so do you think that they're finally gonna win like 10 in a row like think think to like around christmas time the penguins won like what 11 in a row 10 in a row then they lost one or two and then they won another like four or five in a row like the jets need a serious run like that and there's just been no signs of that happening so that's my take (laughs) sorry jets yeah no it's a good take because it's just consistency is the word that gets, you know, bandied about quite a bit here. And it's just like, you know, they, they haven't shown it. And uh, what, what are we thinking that all of a sudden it's going to happen now? Like the last three games in a row, they've played the uh, the same way and they've looked pretty good doing it. And it, there's a little glimmer of hope, but that I think is the heart talking, you know, yeah. if you want to look at it smartly, you say, they just dug themselves too big of a hole early in the season to recover. And they just, um, you know, it's kind of too bad in a way. So now the, the, the thing is going to be like, are they, what are they going to do at the trade deadline? They've got a couple of unrestricted free agents, you know, and if they're, if they're like probably within, you know, six points or whatever of the playoff line, then I feel like they're not going to make any moves at all. They're going to just stick with the team and go forward and see what happens. You know, they won't add, they won't subtract. They'll just go. Um, But if, if they, if they fall behind the pack in that playoff push, then I think you could probably look at a couple like at Paul Stasny, who's a UFA. I, I could see the jets flipping him for a draft pick or two, whatever he would. I don't know what, you know, he would fetch a second rounder or something maybe. And maybe Andrew Kopp, same. I know that there's talk that the Jets want to resign him, but it's in a way it reminds me of Brandon Tanev a couple seasons ago in that, like, yeah, the Jets wanted to resign Tanev, but then Pittsburgh swooped in and offered him way more money than the Jets were able to fit into their sort of salary cap. And uh, the same thing's going to happen to Andrew Kopp, I think, if he goes to UFA. Some team out there is going to identify him and say, now there's a piece that we can use, and they'll offer him a nice chunk of change at a 
at a, you know, just at a, at a cap hit that the Jets won't be able to sort of squeeze in because of what they've got going on. They have to sign Dubois this offseason. And I don't know if there's other RFAs or what, but it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, maybe I'm should, thinking too far ahead. We, we're, we're running out of time here, but uh, we should get um... – we should get some some listeners in uh, to send in some Jets takes, and we'll we'll dedicate more time to this next week. Because after I think after we see a few games this week, they got uh, they're back at home this week for a couple, and this could you know they're two zero and one since the All Star break. Uh, are they going to be four zero and one? Are they going to be two two and one? Like I think this will be like a, a good gauge to to get a, get a sense of uh, what Jets team we're going to see maybe for the rest of the season here. Yeah, the next three games coming up, they got uh, tonight, Monday night, they're playing Chicago, and then uh, Minnesota, Seattle, and Edmonton. That's the next sort of block of games. So, you know, they could easily win three of those games, and I quote-unquote easily, right? So we'll see what happens. But, um, yeah, let's open up the phone lines for uh, an episode either next week or the following week. We'll solicit some fans' opinions on what's going on in Jetland. But until then, we'll toss it to another DOA song here. We've got uh, Taking Care of Business. This is obviously a BTO cover. Randy Bachman in the, in the video for this song. Bachman's the coach. And uh, the DOA boys put the boots to a bunch of businessmen. And, uh, you know, they take care of business. Uh, DOA, taking care of business. Keep your stick on the ice. Keep your chin up. Check your lie. We'll see you next week on Talking Hockey, the Hockey Talking Show.